All right. Hello. Welcome to This Week in Mormons, the Sisters Edition with your hosts, Ariane Smith and Tiffany Hales. We are here to do a conference recap, and the session that we are going to recap is the Sunday afternoon session, the very last session of conference. The very last session of conference. This was a stretch for me when I found out we were going to be doing Sunday afternoon. I was like, oh, no, I'm in trouble. That's the time when I usually get very sleepy. (laughs) (laughs) And you're like, I've had how many days and hours of conference? I don't know if I can take much more. But I tell you what, nothing motivates you to listen better than knowing you're going to have to podcast. That's very true. Very true. Really good notes. Exactly. I I don't have great notes for the rest, but I do have pretty good notes for this session. Good. Okay. So really quick first, should we talk about our conference projects? Yes. Because we teased about this on our Twim Sisters Instagram page on Saturday. You teased about it. Yes. I teased about it on Saturday during conference. I always do a project. I love a good Saturday conference project. It keeps me awake. It keeps me focused. And I get so much done. So my project this year was cleaning up my workspace. Um, For your earring business. Yes. For my earring business. You had a very unique project this year that I said we would talk about now. It has to do with sewing. One of my favorite listeners, Denise, posted that she was also working on sewing and quilting. I think a lot of people do sewing during conference. But you had a very unique sewing project this year. I did. And I always try and have some sort of a project for conference for just like what you said. It it keeps me focused. If I'm doing something, I Mm -hmm. will stay focused on what is being said. Admittedly, I probably have adult attention deficit disorder. Mm -hmm. And so if I sit on the couch, I am still going to fall asleep. Anyway, and it usually is a sewing project. So this year I had my sewing project going and it was, it's a very unique sewing project. So there is a gentleman in my ward. His name is Lance and he is very good at woodworking and his father is older and not in the best of health. And he anticipates that at some point, hopefully not in the quick immediate future, his father is going to pass away. So he has made a, a casket for his father. And this thing is beautiful because he's such a talented woodworker. And, um, it's, 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 it's not as fancy as what you see when you go to the showroom Uh when you're picking out a casket, but it's not a pine box either. It's kind of a mixture of both because his dad, he's like, my dad is not a fancy person, so uh, I don't it's want... It's kind of rustic. It's very rustic. That's a very good way to describe it. Okay. And he left the wood natural pine, and so it's got the natural pine going on, and it's not been stained or anything, but it is just a gorgeous... Mm-hmm. It's just gorgeous. Anyway, so he gets the he gets the uh, the casket made, and he says, Tiffany, do you think you can help me sew the insides for the casket? Mm -hmm. Because if you look at a casket, you know, around the four corners of the casket, there's usually some fabric, some padding. (coughs) And then there is uh, kind of a pad that they put the body on Mm -hmm. and the pad is covered and there's a little pillow for the head. And so I said... Yes, I will help you sew this. Okay. So we went to the fabric store, Lance and his wife, Melanie, and myself, probably about a month or so ago, picked out the fabric. Um, We picked out kind of this fake leather to go around the four corners of the casket, Mm -hmm. and then kind of a corresponding fabric that I am making a fitted sheet to go over the pad that will sit in the bottom of the casket. So um, I had the dimensions, Mm -hmm. and so... um, 
cut the fake leather. We're attaching it with Velcro. Mm -hmm. So sewed the Velcro on and then he's staple gunning his Velcro on the inside. And it it turned out, the leather part of it turned out, Mm -hmm. fake leather part turned out really cool. I was hoping to have the whole project done this weekend, but I had an issue with my fitted sheet. I've never made a fitted sheet before. I was trying to figure out the dimensions on it. I watched some YouTube videos but I cut it wrong and the fitted sheet was like way too small. So I'm going to have to go back to the fabric store and get some more fabric. Mm -hmm. The fitted sheet is actually really easy to make if you get your cuts right to begin with. So this whole project just seems daunting to me. Although you've done upholstery before. I've done upholstery before. This this was actually very easy compared to a lot of other stuff I've done and and relatively quick. I, I seriously, I would have had it finished yesterday. The problem was, is when I realized that uh, I did not have sufficient fabric mm-hmm. and that this was not going to fit, it was too late. It was after, after nine o'clock. And so mm-hmm. the fabric store was closed. And then of course, today was Sunday and I was not about to go purchase fabric on the Sabbath. So <laughs> we'll get the fabric. We'll get this finished. Once I get a finished picture of it, we will post this on our yes. twin sister's Instagram. You need to post picture. For those of you who want to just go, well, we always knew she was crazy. Now you have a this, side gig. This confirms it. A very unique side gig. <laughs> unique side gig. Make <laughs> interiors for caskets. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, should we get to the Sunday afternoon session? Well, we do have a news article. Oh, I forgot. Let's, we let's have to talk about our this. news article really yes, quick. Yes, we have to talk so, about it. Oh, shoot. Where did it go? Anyway. All right. You start it. I'll see if I can okay. pull it back up. So on Friday... Uh, which was um, obviously the day before conference started, the church news released um, an article and they had done a poll. This was just a voluntary poll that people could respond to. And it was, what is your favorite hymn? They had all sorts of conference stuff. What are your favorite conference traditions? What's your favorite conference food? Maybe I'm wrong. I thought they meant what's your favorite hymn that sing in they they sing in general conference but maybe they just meant in general yeah i don't know because Uh i i don't know what the original question was but um i mean in a lot of these hymns we hear in conference Mm -hmm. but let's let's talk about the hymns that made the list so the top of the list was not too surprising it was how firm a foundation which is my favorite so and they always sing that in conference they do well Almost always. Almost always. See, I think the one that they always sing in conference is Redeemer of Israel. That's true. I would like to know if we've, you know, how how Redeemer of Israel versus how firm a foundation pairs up. In right. fact, oh, this would be a good story for Hannah Syriac. Hannah, if you're listening to us. We want numbers. I'm sure someone has done this analysis. Yes. Like which ones have been sung most over the years. Also, exactly. We think the old God for a prophet is sung quite a bit. It is sung quite a bit, but I think Hannah needs to put this on her to-do list for October conference. That'd be a very timely article for October conference to go through and do a statistical analysis of the most popular sung hymns at conference. Yes. Because I, I can't remember a conference where we don't sing Redeemer of Israel. And I think, I think it was sung right out of the gate on Saturday morning, mm-hmm. if I recall correctly. Yeah. So um, lots of familiar ones on this list. Number two is the Spirit of God. Number three, I know my Redeemer lives. Number 10 was surprising to me. I was surprised it was on the list at all. If you could hide a collab. 
Yeah. That is number 10 on the top 10 favorites. I feel like we don't sing that one very no, often. No, no. And that is like kind of in my least favorite <laughs> realm. So interesting. Interesting. Uh, primary songs, A Child's Prayer was number one. Which that is my favorite primary song. I'm a Child of God was number two. I'm trying to be like Jesus, number three. Oh, lots of good ones. Um, but let's get to the real important one, conference is, food. Yes. Conference food. This one, not surprising at all. The number one favorite conference food by a landslide with cinnamon rolls. Yes. For breakfast. Conference breakfast. 289 food. votes for cinnamon rolls. And the next one that got the most was crepes at 63. Followed by pancakes. Um, number eight on the list said, don't eat breakfast. Who is not eating breakfast on conference morning? Seriously. What kind of monsters are you? Seriously. <laughs> In fact, conference morning is like, like I woke up this morning, knew I was going to indulge for breakfast uh -huh. because I try and really limit myself to proteins for breakfast. Otherwise it just kind of uh -huh. spikes my blood sugar and I just feel gross for the rest of the day. But I'm like, it is conference. I have made yummy cinnamon rolls. I am going to have a cinnamon roll for breakfast. And I did. And yeah, I felt gross the rest of the day, but it was really good. Yes. So yeah, who's not eating breakfast? <laughs> the last category they, category they covered was your favorite general conference tradition. So the number one was gathering with loved ones. Number two was a special breakfast or brunch. Number three was watching in pajamas. That might be my favorite, watching in pajamas. <laughs> I have to say, I've had a whole weekend of being in leggings and a sweatshirt and no makeup. It's great. Uh, conference bingo was on the list. Snacking, taking notes, building a tent or pillow fort was number 10. Great activity if you have young um, children. Okay. I have to tell you really quick, just while we're on the topic, my one of my favorite conference traditions that we do in my family with my kids that is the easiest one. Way easier than the cinnamon rolls because those are difficult. Yeah. <laughs> is I put butcher paper on my table. Oh, white, that's right. White you butcher do that. paper. I do it every conference now because it's so easy and they love it. I just put white butcher paper on the table, tape it down, slap a big old thing of markers there, and they just can color on it. Okay, weekend. did you so. have a mural on your kitchen table by the time conference yes. was done? Yes, and we didn't do it yesterday because we were busy with sports and things yeah. yesterday. So they only had today, but they filled it up fast. So <gasps> good for them. All right. Okay. Should we should we recap the Sunday afternoon session? Yes. Let's start. I don't know if we'll hit on every talk, but we'll hit on some highlights we'll and hit on some of our favorites. Yeah. Um, to start off Sunday afternoon session, we had Dallin H. Oaks, and his talk was entitled The Teachings of Jesus Christ. And this was kind of amazing because his whole talk was literally quoting scripture. It was so he, unique. He didn't do any analysis. I don't he, think we've ever seen that before. I Not that I remember. Recall ever. But seen also, that. I was like, "This is brilliant. Could I do this for my next sacrament meeting talk? It would make writing it really easy." <laughs> Maybe you could get on that. Is what is it? The chat? Oh, chat GPT. Chat GPT and GPT. say, "Oh, yes. string for me a whole slew of scriptures on this topic together." <laughs> Anyway, he quoted 34 teachings and 1,300 words. And it was really powerful to hear them just back to back to back. Yeah. And he said at the beginning that they were, for the most part, kind of in chronological order mm -hmm. um, through his life. And so it was really cool. Hmm. Well, and it was one of those things where, I mean, so much was coming at mm -hmm. so fast that I kind of felt like I'm like, oh, this is going to be a good one to go back and study when you have more time to like really think and ponder um, everything he was saying. Yes. Okay. Uh, one of the ones I really enjoyed was President Ballard's. He went right after 
President Oaks, um, Elder Ballard. Um, he talked about what matters most, and he talked a lot about family relationships. Um, I love also he included in our family relationships our friends and our ward family. Um, he just talked about how they're essential for our emotional health and our physical health. Um, so he just talked about really nurturing those relationships. He talked about forgiveness, love, communication, um, having disagreements with compassion, which mm. we heard quite a bit from President, President Nelson, Nelson and others. I noticed there were yes. several, several this conference that Do really you get hit on the that. feeling they're a little disgusted with the uh, lack of civility. <laughs> They've been reading the Facebook comments. <laughs> they went down the rabbit hole. They should. Or somebody in their circle did and said. Exactly. Guess what's happening? Well, and yeah, so, I, I'm, I'm actually very happy to see them addressing it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's much needed. So, and then he talked about um, having faith in Christ and sharing our testimony of Him, and he also talked about following the Spirit in our family relationships, also. Um, and he shared a really uh, cool story. Just well, you know, a good story. He did from when he was a bishop many years ago. He had a prompting to go visit a widow in his ward one evening and he put it off, put it off. It was He late. talked himself out of it. Yeah. yeah. And he said, I'll do it in the morning. And so he did, he went in the morning and when he went in the morning, found out she had passed away yeah. that night before. And of course the guilt and yeah. Um, so that, you know, it's always nice when they relate a story. We've all done that. Yes. All of us have done that. And it's kind of nice to hear when they share that. It makes them a little more human and oh yeah, they're, they mess up just like yeah. we do. But he just related that back into always trying to follow the spirit and, well, I liked that. And he said, you know, always allow the spirit to guide. And then uh, Elder Rasband followed up with um, embrace prophecy and prophetic teaching and act on promptings. And so those were kind of my new two takeaways of their talks. And I think that hit especially hard, hit home for me because twice this last month, I've had two promptings that I have not acted upon. So the first one, and, and I just kind of beat myself up about it. And I was like, Tiffany, this is a teaching moment. Mm -hmm. The first one, we were doing our Relief Society birthday dinner. We have two sisters that are gluten-free and I knew that and we were doing pasta. So I had made a special, specialized little individual gluten-free pastas for these two sisters. Well, when I got the gluten-free pasta made, I had enough for a third one. And I thought to myself, oh, just throw the third one in, bring the third one with you. And I didn't. You know, I was like, no, I don't need the third one. Nobody else in our ward is gluten-free. Uh, why would I do that? And so I left the innards for this third one in a container in my fridge at home and took everything else to the church. Well, I get to the church and unbeknownst to me, I do not have two sisters that are gluten-free. I have three sisters that are gluten-free and the Lord oh. was trying to tell me this and I didn't listen. And oh. I was very apologetic to the sister. She's very understanding, very, very nice, but it just really rung, you know, brought it home to me. I'm like, I really need to listen to those promptings. And likewise, I had also received a prompting several months ago involving one of my children, <clears throat> And I did not act on that prompting. Mm -hmm. And so the Lord took a very circuitous route to get me to the place that I needed to be had I acted on that prompting four months ago. <laughs> and so I've kind of been pondering that going, okay, I need to be better when I feel those promptings to not let my lawyerly logical brain talk myself out of them. Mm -hmm. so, very good. Um, another one that I liked was Elder Vern Stansfield. 
His title of his talk was The Imperfect Harvest. And if you remember, he talks about a grain harvest and that some kernels would drop on the ground and he would show them to his father. And his father was like, you know, hey, um, this is the best that the machine can do. And then several months later, he saw the birds come along on their migratory stop and they would eat those kernels. And he analyzed that and said, you know, the Lord made this imperfect harvest perfect. And that was the message that he was sending to us is that so often, I think especially we as women and moms, we obsess about being perfect and perfectionism is not the same as being perfect in Christ. And he said, your best is good enough and grace will make up for the rest and that the savior will use our our efforts to accomplish his work. And I I mean, he basically said, you know, quit obsessing about being perfect. Do what you can. Grace will make up for the rest of it. And what, what is not perfect will be perfect through Christ. And I thought that was such a good message. And um, being in the Relief Society presidency, we get to choose the talks that we're going to discuss for the next six months. And I really hope that that's one of them because I think there's a lot Mm -hmm of sisters who can really benefit from that to say, ladies, let's, let's, let's lay off beating Mm -hmm. up on ourselves and, and, and give yourself some grace. Definitely. Definitely. Okay. I really liked Elder Bednar's. Which surprises me. I know. He's not usually he's, one of my favorites. He's so I mean, he's like, always good, but scholarly he's and very, analytical. Well, and this is he doesn't give me the warm and warm and no. fuzzies. His are definitely harder. Like you really have to yeah, dig deep to understand. Which is usually not my style. But and this one I will say it was at the end. My eyes were droopy, my kids had had it. <laughs> so this is one that I liked. But I didn't take it all in. It's one that I have notes to go back and look oh, and get dive okay. into deeper. Um, he talked about Enoch, and the Lord said to walk with him. Um, he talked about abiding in him, and he'll abide in you. And then he talked about how we can abide in the Savior and have him abide in us. And he listed things, and I mm. need to go back and further study. That will be a good, a but good I, study. I liked the message. Okay. <laughs> so, well, I'm just, I'm going to hit really quickly on something that elder Ahmad Corbett said in his talk, and it will be interesting to see how this plays out post-conference mm-hmm. because this has the potential to infuriate some people. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, if your child struggles with a gospel principle or prophetic teaching, please resist any type of evil speaking or activism towards the church. And that seems like maybe that's directed towards LGBTQ parents. <laughs> it, I mean, it kind of seems that way. I, I mean, you know, it could be anything, but it seems. Yeah. And, and that is so mm-hmm. that is, I, you know, that is so hard. You know, how do you balance mm-hmm. being supportive and loving of your child versus, you know, gospel principles when your child is maybe doing or acting or believing something that is so contrary. And it's just, it, I, I don't know is the answer. I, I don't, I, know, I don't know. I don't know. And it's, a, you know, he, who's going to grab onto this and yeah. take it farther than it needs to go. I hope no one. Yeah. He, he said activism toward the church. Personally, I don't see going to a Pride Festival yeah. or an LGBTQ march with your kids, for your kids, yeah. to represent your kids. I don't see that at all as yeah. activism against the church. I just see that as activating activism towards your child. Yeah. And like, 
But now if you're marching on Temple Square with a sign, that might. That's activism. (laughs) But there are a lot of people who do view that as activism. And against the church, which I don't, I don't think they, I disagree. Well, I, (laughs) but you're right. I mean, you could get a bishop that you could in the leadership lottery, get a bishop who Mm -hmm. perceives that to be an offense against the church. And then you could be having interesting chats with your bishop. That's interesting. I totally missed that line when I was listening. (laughs) This is how conference works, right? Exactly. Some things enter, some things don't. Also when you have children running around. Exactly. (laughs) All right. Well, we better hit some temples. Let's hit some temples. Oh yes. The highlight of of Sunday afternoon is always the temples. I thought this was super interesting. My high schooler said that in her seminary class, they did pre-conference temple predictions. I was like, well, this is a different world. This is not what we were doing in seminary in our day when we only got a new temple like once every four years. But this is something they do now. So they all predict how many temples we'll get. And then they get to pick which cities, like a city or a country or whatever. So she got one. I think it was either Brazil or Philippines. Anyway, we'll go through the list. Okay. So I will cover the international ones. Mm -hmm. You can cover the stateside ones. Okay. I am just going to hit countries. I am not going to ana- attempt to pronounce the names of the cities because you'll notice even President Nelson was struggling attempting uh-huh. to pronounce the name of the cities. So Guatemala is getting another temple, Peru, Brazil gets two, Philippines get two, Indonesia gets a temple, Hamburg, Germany gets a temple, that one I can pronounce, and <laughs> Lethbridge, Alberta, Canada gets a temple. So exciting. We're getting two more in California, San Jose and Bakersfield. California is dotted with temples these days. They really are. Which is great. They're a ginormous state. They need them. Well, so. and I think somewhere I read something that, I mean, if you if you go by numbers, more, more el- members of the church actually live in California than live in Utah. Oh, really? Just because California is so, so massive. Massive. Yeah. I think I swear I read that somewhere. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so it, it kind of makes sense yeah, while they're getting a does. bunch of temples. They're just not as concentrated as Utah. Right. Is. They're spread out over a large state. Yes. So that's very exciting for the Californians. Uh, Springfield, Missouri, Charlotte, North Carolina, Winchester, Virginia. I thought that was interesting because Virginia just got one. Yeah. Outside of DC. Yeah. And I looked it up. Winchester's not too far. Well, those Eastern states, everything's not too far. Exactly. So, um, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Yeah. So that's quite the list. It is quite the list. None in Idaho and none in Utah. So yes. our prediction of the Payette River Temple over in Payette, Idaho, not happening. Not happening. But that's okay. I've heard some people say Coeur d'Alene too. I don't think that'll ever happen. I uh, no, they're, they're too close to too Spokane. Close to Spokane. It's a thirty-minute so. drive to Spokane. So yeah, no new ones there. Um, but yeah, my daughter was hilarious. She's like texting her seminary friends. Uh-huh. Oh my gosh, so-and-so got Indonesia. She got, I can't remember what she said, either Brazil or Philippines was what she predicted. Yeah. And then she had a friend that got the number right. My friend guessed 15. I was like, do you get prizes? <laughs> what happens here? It's a good way to keep your, your teenagers <laughs> engaged at the end of conference. Yes. All right. So before we before we wrap up, of course, you know, we always do Mormons behaving badly. And I'm going to put this in the Mormons Behaving Badly segment. <laughs> You're going to get in so much trouble. Probably am. <laughs> it's okay because you put the church in there a few weeks ago. I so did. I all, did. All boundaries have been crossed. Exactly. <laughs> so I would be amiss if I did not discuss the closing prayer in the Saturday <laughs> afternoon session. Sunday afternoon. Sunday afternoon. <laughs> I can't even remember what day we're, we're covering. Sunday <laughs> afternoon session. It was... 
four minutes and 34 seconds. She timed it. I timed it. <laughs> well, I didn't time it in the moment. In the moment, I was just like, is this guy ever going to sit up and <laughs> shut up and sit down? I went back before the podcast and I was like, I need to know how long this prayer was. Um, if you have listened to us, you know that we we have very strong feelings on the length of prayers in public. If you want to spend hours on your knees in private, great. <laughs> but in public, you got to get in and get out. Exactly. Get in, get your business done and get out. <laughs> Four minutes and 34 seconds is not getting in, getting your business done and getting out. And, you know, I was, I was like, okay, does he, you know, how sometimes the sessions finish a little early. Right. I was like, is he like, well, there's five minutes left. I better use the whole time. (laughs) Did he, was he hurt that he wasn't asked to speak in conference? And so he wanted to make his prayer like a talk. I'm just really not sure. Or was I just hypersensitive to it because we were eating dinner at four o'clock. Dinner was ready and we were waiting to say our own prayer on dinner, but we had to wait till this guy finished his prayer and conference. Too bad I couldn't just bless the food for the whole church. Seriously. (laughs) Multitasking. By the way, we're sure everybody's going to eat. Just bless all the food. Anyway, so... Um, yeah, that's that's my Mormons behaving badly. The prayer was a little bit long. That's hilarious. All right. Well, we have to conclude with our with kind of a follow up on our favorite things. Yes. So when we recorded a week, two weeks ago, a week ago today. Oh wow! I Time know. goes fast. Um, our one of our favorite things that I shared was the roll recipe from Betsy's Best Bets. She's an Instagram follow yes. that we love. So we decided to take the roll recipe for conference and turn it into cinnamon rolls. Yes. And it was so good. It was so good. I've never made this recipe before. Uh, so I did it for the first time mm-hmm. last night. I thought I had a cup of potato flakes, but I only had half a cup. It will work with half it's a like cup. It's like the secret ingredient. It, seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I made them into not cinnamon rolls, but cinnamon knots mm-hmm. and baked them last night. And I tried one last night and I called you and I was like, you have got to do this. This is yes. so good. Because you were debating using debating that recipe or another or one. Or my traditional one I use every year. I was really going back and forth. And then you called me. I was like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to do it. Yeah. So, so this morning we just popped them in the microwave, heated them up. OMG. They are like the best cinnamon roll I have ever eaten or consumed in my whole entire life. They were so good. In fact, next week is Easter and I'm going to use the same recipe and I'm going to do our orange rolls for Easter using this recipe. Yay. And I'll be there so I get them. Yes. So (laughs) what I will do is I took a screenshot of the recipe off of Betsy's Instagram Mm -hmm. and we will post that on our twin sister's Instagram so you can see the recipe and try it out for yourself. Great. And if you do go to Betsy's, it's, um, it's not in her saved reels. I thought it was in her saved reels. You have to like scroll scroll down. down to find it, but she has a whole video and you can watch the video on how she does it too. They are so worth it. All right. Well, Twim Nation, thank you very much for joining us tonight for our Sunday, our recap of the Sunday afternoon session. As always, you can find This Week in Mormons on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, or if you want to question, have a question or a comment, you can uh, email at contact at thisweekinmormons.com. Thanks for listening.